0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Diamondbacks Podcast. And on today's pod, we are discussing. Who are the make or break players for the D-backs in 2022? And checking in on the hottest names during spring training, all for you next. You are a Locked On Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. I'm your host, Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and am a graphic designer, so please go check out my website, MillerThomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work, from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter, at thomas 24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And of course, Thank you for making Locked on Dimebacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. Like I mentioned in the open, we're discussing the swing players for the D-backs in 2022. But before we get there, before we get there, Spring training has been going on for over a week now, so I just want to do a little check-in. I got three players who have really stood out to me during spring training, so I want to talk about that first, so let's get right into it. The first guy I want to talk about is Merrill Kelly, who made his spring debut a couple days ago. I'm recording this Thursday night. It will be Friday when you hear it, so I believe the game was Wednesday. Admittedly, I'm not really looking at the scores too much. Like I don't care about any of that. I just care about the, the process, I guess, more than anything than results. Do these players look good when they're, you know, at the play on the mound? Do they look like they're making stride to making progress during spring training? Or are they just getting shelled out there in spring training? So for me, it's more about the process, more about the process than the results. But Today, we're going to be talking about some results with these three players because Merrill Kelly, like I said, made his debut on Wednesday, and we can't take too much out of spring training, but Merrill Kelly looked dynamite against the Giants. He threw three perfect innings in his debut, and he struck out eight of nine batters, and what was really nice about Merrill Kelly was that velocity. We talked about it with Madison Bumgarner, but... His velo fell off kind of after the first inning, but not the case with Merrill Kelly. He was throwing 94 to 95 miles per hour on his fastballs, and that changeup was really working for Merrill Kelly today. Last season, his fastball average was about 91, 90, uh, about 92 miles per hour. I'm just going to round up. It's 91.7. I got off StatCast. I'm just going to round up to 92. So if he's sitting about 94 to 95, if he's like 94 and a half miles per hour on that fastball during the season... That's going to be a nasty pitch for Merrill Kelly. And now, if he's working in that up changeup as well, which was a really effective pitch for him last season, Merrill Kelly's changeup is his. If you look at cumulative stats the last two seasons, he's basically thrown the changeup the least amount of times of any of his pitches the last two years. But When he did throw his changeup last season, it was very effective, a 367 slugging percentage allowed. So for Merrill Kelly, this is someone that has a very deep arsenal. And if you're telling me he's throwing mid-90s fastball, the changeup is working, and he can still play around with that hard sinker or that breaking curve, Merrill Kelly's going to have a really good chance to be a mid-tier starter in this rotation, like a number three, number four. Um, He's already been that, but I think... In terms of his perception of him around the league, I think it could go up to that of a number three and number four starter because still people think Merrill Kelly sucks. So I hope statistically his ERA at least matches the eye test with him because he could be rounding into form as he enters his fourth season in Major League Baseball. The next guy that I think has really stood out to me during spring training is David Peralta. This guy came into camp as a new person, and it's been really paying off during spring training. In eight at-bats, David Peralta has four hits, and all of them are extra base hits. He's got two doubles, a couple home runs. He's looked really good at the plate. He leads the team with five RBIs as well, so he's done a little bit of everything, really showed the power uh, so far during spring training, something that's really evaded him uh, the last couple seasons because even though he hit a lot of triples, he had one of the worst home run runs totals of his career. So I think the home run department is an area that he wants to get back to and increase. If you look at what he did during the offseason, David Peralta really worked on his mechanics. If you go to MLB.com and read what Steve Gilbert, Steve Gilbert has written about David Peralta during the offseason. Peralta was basically working out with Astros outfielder Michael Brantley five days a week over the offseason. He came into camp more slimmed down. He wasn't doing as many weights during the offseason. Instead, David Peralta worked more on his flexibility and his core work. So you could say it's not TB12, but dp 6. David Peralta, 6. Tom Brady, TB12. I hope you guys got that. So David Peralta, he's looking lean. He's looking cut. And I think he's ready to have a a pretty impactful season for the D-backs because he's still one of their better defenders. And if he's playing really well, but the team is playing pretty bad, he's going to be someone that's going to be a hot name on the rumor mill as we get closer to the trade deadline. Just just be ready for it because he's on an expiring contract. So he's the perfect player with his pedigree, with the gold gloves, with silver sluggers. He's the perfect player. Not that expensive of a contract either. He's making less than $10 million, I think, this season. So he's definitely going to be someone that's going to be a hot commodity as we get closer to the trade deadline, if, if the D-backs are a bad team. Then the last guy who stood out to me during spring training is Josh Rojas, and this is someone I'm keeping my eye on during the season. He's someone that's going to come up later in the pod too, hint, hint. But Josh Rojas' spring training has looked pretty good. If you watch the game on Thursday, he had a home run in that game. He has two home runs so far during spring. He's got three RBIs as well, so he's done a little bit at the plate excuse me, I think he's looked really locked in at the plate. He crushed that ball Thursday. I mean, go listen to the video. Put your volume up. Put your headphones in. He crushed that ball, and you know it as soon as it came off the bat for Josh Rojas. He looks hungry, and he looks eager to snatch third base. And just when I look at Rojas compared to the other third base candidates during spring training, he just stands out uh, compared to the rest, like when I see him at the plate, the power that he's displayed, just the confidence and swagger that he always displays. He's the pick I have to play third base for the D-backs in 2022. And I hope Toy Lovello picks him. And I think they will. Basically, all the indications and uh, all the all the the breadcrumbs will tell you that Josh Rojas will most likely be the third baseman for the D-backs in 2022. Mike Hazen and Toy Lovello have really talked about how defense is a main priority, a main focus for this D-backs team in 2022. And a reason they feel like the defense wasn't that good last season is because they had too many players playing third and then moving to the outfield, or maybe they were a catcher and then moving to the outfield or going from first to second to shortstop. Like there was just not, no one, basically not a lot of players last season had a home defensively. They weren't this is my spot. I'm a shortstop outside like Nick Ahmed. No one else is like, I'm a shortstop. I'm playing here 162 games. Look at Ketel Marte bouncing back between center field, second base. Paven Smith playing corner, outfield, and first base. Dalton Varsho playing center field, catcher. Rojas basically played like nine positions during the 2021 season. So for the D-backs defense, which is a huge priority and a huge focus in 2022, I think one of the big things that they're going to really keen on is making sure they give their players a defensive home. And I think for Josh Rojas, that defensive home is going to be third base. And because of that, he's going to be one of the players I talk about as a huge swing player for the D-backs in 2022. But before we talk about those swing players for the D-backs, I'm going to talk to you guys about Built Bar, because this is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolutions to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. And have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, they're infused with marshmallow, they're fluffy, and of course, they're covered in 100% chocolate, and the reason why I love Puffs and the rest of the Built Bars is because they're... Soft, they're easy to chew. If you're a health nut like me, they're low calorie, they're low sugar, they're high protein, they're high fiber. They're great for the keto diet. And the best part about Built Bar is they trick you. You think that you're eating a candy bar when in reality, you're actually eating a protein bar low in calorie, low in sugar, high in protein, high in fiber, just like I said before. So if you want your own Built Bar, you got to go to built.com. Use that promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order. Promo code lock 15 for 15% off at built.com. And also, thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. But I need you to make Lockdown MLB Prospects another listen because host Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia. and He's going deep on the MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, right, right. all right. Let's get back into the podcast. I'm hoping the audio is going to be good for the people only listening to the audio, but for the YouTube, the Wi-Fi keeps saying one bar, so I'm hoping I'm not cutting in and out on this YouTube video. We'll see when I play it back tomorrow, but let's get into the, the swing players for the D-backs in 2022. I hope me breathing out wasn't that loud for you guys, but I got five players written down that I think could be Huge swing players for the D-backs in 2022, or you could say, for some of these players, it's their make-or-break season. So, let me pull up my list, and the first guy I want to talk about, well, actually, before we talk about him, I just want to mention um, JB Braskakis update. With Zach Davies officially being signed and added to the active roster, JB briskakis is gonna be out months. He was placed on the 60-day injured list. So we're gonna be talking about a couple of Zach Grinky trade candidates during these next couple segments, or not trade candidates, but guys who got back in that Zach Grinky trade. We're gonna talk about how they could be huge swing players. So I just wanted to bring up JB briskakis because he's not one of the players that I'm mentioning as a huge swing player today. I'm gonna mention two other players from that Zach Grinky trade, but Murskakis can be a huge swing player for the D-backs. If he was healthy going into 2022, he probably would have made this list considering how great he was the last spring training, but really disappointing to see that he's going to not be healthy this season, at least the start of it, at least the first couple months. So we'll see if he could come back and give us some juice as we get closer to the deadline and maybe make a playoff push. We'll see, but let's get into the real swing players for the D-backs in 2022. The first play I want to start off with is Paven Smith. Now, I think he's a really important swing piece because he doesn't really have a skill strong enough like elite defense or speed to keep him in the lineup every day when he's struggling. So if his game doesn't improve, like if he's still the same player from this past season or worse, if he doesn't improve his game, he's probably hurting your lineup more than he's helping because like I said, defensively, he doesn't do much for you. He's a good contact hitter, but there's not much power there. He's not lifting the ball. It's a lot of, it's a lot of hard grounders. So that makes him a double play candidate. So there's a lot of flaws in Paven Smith's game. And I don't think he's a bad player, but he's definitely a flawed player. He's definitely a flawed player. And he's definitely not good enough to be an everyday major leaguer, probably, on a World Series contender. He could do it for the D-Backs right now as we try to figure him out and try to develop him. But on a World Series contender, I don't think. Paven Smith makes a huge impact. He was the first pick during the Mike Hazen era. So, when we look back, whenever it ends, whenever the Mike Hazen era ends, when we look back at it, one of the first names we're going to bring up is Paven Smith. The fact that he was the first pick under Mike Hazen, that kind of, you know, starts you off with how you think this whole era is going to go in terms of his scouting, his process when evaluating talent and picking players. And it didn't start off with a bang with Paven Smith. I get it. He hit for a great average in college, but he's still a Good contact hitter, still got good plate discipline, but he just doesn't have enough of a ceiling and it could really limit this D back's team. Last season, he put up a pretty pedestrian 267 average, 328 OBP, 404 slugging. I always say if he wants to be an everyday major leaguer, he has to get gap power. I'm not saying he has to hit 25 home runs, but if he gets 15 home runs and 35, 40 doubles, and then also his OBP is around 36%, around 360, that's the kind of player you could work with. His WRC Plus last year was just 96. Only 42 extra base hits in 545 trips. That's just not enough for Paven Smith. Those are basically replacement level numbers. Defense should improve a little bit in 2022 just because he won't be playing as much outfield. He should be back more at his natural position first base. Now, when you look at his game, he definitely needs to improve that launch angle. He does hit the ball hard. Like, the hard contact numbers aren't atrocious with Paven Smith. He just doesn't lift the ball. So, like I said before, it's a lot of hard grounders. Got to tap into that gap power. He does have the good discipline at the plate. He, he, he doesn't chase pitches, even though he does strike out a good amount. Uh, he has, like, double the strikeouts to walk. So, even though he has great plate discipline, it still ends up in a lot of strikeouts. And for Pavin Smith... The opportunity is going to be there for him next season. They're going to keep putting him out there. And if he continues to fail, then maybe they'll stop giving him those opportunities, you know, halfway through the season. But it could be too late for the D-backs at that point of the year. So that's why I think he's a huge swing piece because whether he's good or whether he's bad, he's going to get a lot of opportunities those first couple months of the season. Now, the next player I want to talk about in segment number two is Luke Weaver. And I probably don't even have to explain to you guys why he's a huge swing piece in 2022. But we're going to do it anyway because that's my job. Luke Weaver, I think, was probably the headliner in the Goldschmidt deal. He hasn't been able to stay healthy over the course of his career, which has been a pretty big problem for him because back in 2019... That's, you know, that's basically peak Luke Weaver. That's what we want to see Luke Weaver get back to because during that season, he had a sub-three ERA. He had a decent amount of starts, too. I I want to say, I'm going to pull it up real quick so I'm not just talking out my arse, but back in 2019, 2.94 ERA, only 64 innings pitched, so not a ton, but he had a career-high walk. Strikeout rate was pretty good, so Luke Weaver looked pretty damn good in 2019. It gave me a lot of confidence, a lot of hope that this guy could be potential number two starter for the D-backs, but we just haven't really seen that. Luke Weaver has been very disappointing. Health has been a part of it. Like I said, 2021, not that healthy for Luke Weaver. He only made 13 starts last season, only 65 innings pitched. So 2019, he wasn't healthy and 2021, he wasn't healthy and combined basically 130 innings pitch during those two seasons. He did do a good job this past year of not wildly putting dudes on bases. Like His whip was actually pretty good, which is surprising. Some of the peripheral numbers with Luke Weaver aren't atrocious. He wasn't walking dudes. He had won the best whips of his career this past season. His biggest issue was putting batters away. The put-away pitches, the strikeout percentages, they just weren't there for Luke Weaver this past season, and that was something he was really good with those first few years of baseball. His strikeouts per nine were around double digits, but last season, Luke Weaver, his strikeouts per nine was only 8.5, second worst of his career, the lowest since his last season in St. Louis, so you don't like to see that, and maybe part of that would just because he was in and out the lineup last season, and he couldn't build up the arm strength he usually has to put away guys, even though his fastball numbers and the the velocity on his pitches were still the same, the spin rates were still the same, maybe those injuries did affect um, at least the put-away stuff, so I, I I am very curious to see how Luke, how Luke Weaver will bounce back in 2022. I still think he's a super talented guy. I think he's probably the second most talented pitcher in the D-backs rotation because it's not like I could really believe in and Bumgarner anymore from what I've seen from him so far those first couple years in the D-backs uniform. At least Luke Weaver has shown me something in a D-backs uniform and albeit it was 2019 and feels like a, a generation ago, but at least he's shown me something. And as bad as Luke Weaver, I feel like he was last season. He still somehow finished with a better ERA than Madison and Bumgarner. So if Weaver can't rediscover his form, um, his name will probably be brought up during the trade deadline, just because teams have already been rumored to be interested in Luke Weaver, like the New York Mets. We've talked about that on the pod. So Everyone hopes that Luke Weaver could get back to those 2019 levels, but at this point, it seems like a little bit of a pipe dream. So the D-backs are bad, which is a common phrase on this podcast. If the D-backs are bad by the time we get to the trade deadline, then maybe they unload David Peralta. And maybe they start sniffing around for potential Luke Weaver trade candidate teams. I'm not saying they will move Luke Weaver. I think they probably will move David Peralta if the team is bad. But I'm not as confident in the D-backs moving Luke Weaver if the team is bad um so we'll see what happens with him I mean now that the D-backs have Brent Strom like if if Brent Strom can't pull out the best of Luke Weaver then if he's not gone at the deadline he probably will be gone at the end of the season um I think he's less likely to be gone at the deadline they'll probably work through it the rest of the season and probably give him a full year of opportunity to you know make or break himself but If after the year, if Luke Weaver comes out this season, we're like, man, this guy just doesn't have it. Even after working with Brent Strom, I think the D-backs will move off of him because Brent Strom's resume of turning, turning Dallas Keuchel into a Cy Young Award winner... Uh, Garrett Cole into a Cy Young Award winner, late 30s Justin Verlander into a Cy Young Award winner. Like this guy's track record of turning pitchers into stars is freaking remarkable. And if it can't happen for Luke Weaver, I'm not saying he has to be Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, but he at least has to look like a, a pretty legit number three starter. At least look like a guy that could be traded for in a Paul Goldschmidt trade. I think that's the most I want from Luke Weaver in 2022. Now I got three more guys. Who I Think could make or break the Diamondback season 2022, but first, I need to tell you about BetOnline because it's that time of year again as college basketball's tournament is finally upon us. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting in your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. Right, right, right. all right. Let's get back to the Lockdown Diamonds podcast. I take a quick burp, but luckily I muted the mic, so you guys didn't hear that. But I got three more guys I want to talk to you guys about who could be huge swing players for the D-backs in 2022. And remember, if you disagree with me, if you are like, no, that guy's not even going to get any opportunity. If you're like, Pavin Smith sucks, it, it doesn't matter if he's playing or not playing. Like He's not going to make an impact on the D-backs in 2022. If you believe any of that, remember, just... Just talk to me on Twitter, at CreatorThomas24 for my personal account, or just look up Locked on both symbol Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. I love a good debate, so please slide into my mentions, and we will get it popping on social media. But let's get back to the podcast, because I probably shouldn't fight my listeners. That's probably not a good idea, and I'm sure my boss, David Locke, wouldn't be too happy about it. So let's keep going with our Theme here. And the next guy I want to talk about is a little Seth Beer action. I, t- I told you guys I'll be bringing up more players from that Zach Grinky trade. And Seth Beer is the next guy I want to talk about because he could be a huge swing piece for the D backs because they just don't have many power guys in this lineup. And Beer could potentially be the best power guy the D backs have. Now, if you say Ketel Marte, like I'm not going to argue with you, it probably is Ketel Marte, but Seth Beer is right there in the conversation. The D-backs were second to last in home runs in the National League, but not just in the National League, in all of Major League Baseball. The only team who had less home runs than the D-backs were the Pittsburgh Pirates, who refused to play Major League talent. At least the D-backs were trying out there. The Pirates were not, and so the fact that the D-backs are right there with them for the fewest amount of home runs, it's disgusting because it's so easy now to go out there and get a 25-plus home run guy. Look at Michael Conforto, who's still unsigned. That guy, if he plays 150 games and is healthy this upcoming season, I guarantee you he will hit 25 home runs for somebody. So For the D-backs to have just basically Ketel Marte, as your only power bat, like that's not good enough. And Ketel Marte, as much as I love him, he's you know in and out the lineup, so it's not exactly like I could count on him for that power because he's not always there. And the power wasn't exactly there last season in terms of home runs. If you watch him, this dude smokes balls, but in terms of home runs, the 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 power department wasn't there for Ketel Marte. But back on Seth Beer because that was a little bit of a tangent. Beer at least has proven. At every level so far at every checkpoint that he could be an offensive juggernaut, potentially. His career OPS in the minors is 901. If you look at his numbers last season with the D-backs, of course, very, very, very small sample size. He had four hits and nine at-bats. Four hits, I feel like I said that word weird. He had four hits, nine at-bats, plus a home run. He crushed on the MLB level last season. And the only reason he didn't get more playing time is because he got hurt as soon as the D-back tried to play him at uh first base defensively. And basically I think he tore his shoulder and missed the rest of the season. So even if you look at him on the MLB level, he dominated and if we, you know, another, another, another small sample size, what he's done in spring training five for nine. Yeah. Very small, but still even in the, the nine at bats he got, he still has been able to crush it. So every checkpoint we've seen from Seth beer has been able to crush. And guess What? I mentioned how he got hurt because he had to play, you know, first base defensively. Well, guess what? You don't got to do that no more if you're Seth Beer. We got the universal DH down. Buddy, just sit on the bench and go up to the plate when your name is called because that's all we want from you. Just freaking crush the ball. He plays really well this season. I could see him stealing some opportunities at first from Paven Smith, especially if Paven Smith is struggling himself offensively because you could definitely still platoon Christian Walker and Seth Beer together. I don't think you want to do Seth Beer a lot, you know, I don't think you want to play Seth Beer at first a lot for, you know, the obvious defensive concerns, but if Paven Smith is, you know, not that much better as a defensive player and he's struggling mightily offensively, then you might sacrifice the the slight downgrade in defense if you're getting a major upgrade in offense with Seth Beer over Paven Smith. So, Paven Smith better watch out because Seth Beer might be coming for for his job and Depending on how many games Seth Beer gets, let's say Seth Beer plays, I don't know, 110 games a season. I would not be surprised if he finished between first and third in home runs on this team. Maybe not first. It depends if Ketel Marte is doing for the fences again. But if he finished second or third, I would not be surprised, even if he only played 100 to 120 games because that's the kind of power Seth Beer has. Please give this man a chance. I want to see what kind of damage he can do. Next player I want to talk about, is Dalton Varsho who is a huge swing play who is a huge swing piece just because I think he's the D-backs most dynamic player and I'm including Ketel Marte in that conversation because even if you look at Ketel Marte he's got the power he's pretty athletic but he's not Dalton Varsho athletic and Dalton Varsho got the power as well and he could play probably better defense in center field than Ketel Marte as well He's going to probably be the full-time center fielder for the D-backs 2022. I think that's what he's projected to be. And I think he will probably do a better job than Quetel Marte. Because, I, like I've said before, I just thought Quetel Marte was too reckless out there. Like, I don't want to see Quetel Marte full speed running into the wall. Like, that crap hurts. And Quetel Marte gets hurt too much. So, we got to put him back at second base, which the D-backs are going to do this season. So, thank you for resting my guy. But not only will Dot. Not only will Dalton Varsho most likely be the full-time center fielder for the D-backs, it will also probably give rest days to Carson Kelly, which is dynamic. If you can play center field and catcher for a team, guess what? You're freaking dynamic. I don't think anyone else on the team has a combination of power, speed, athleticism like Marte's in the conversation, but I think even Dalton Varsho when you combine all the intangibles or the tangibles, I don't even know, you know, which one that is. Uh, I think Dalton Varsho probably comes out on top for the D-backs in terms of all those different traits and characteristics. He gave us a taste of what he can do in the second half last season. I know we talk about it a lot on this podcast, but his numbers were absolutely phenomenal. I'm not going to get into the numbers. Go look them up. Baseball reference. Look at Varsho splits. First half, second half. You're going to be like, whoa, eye-popping numbers. If we see this guy, if we see the guy that we saw in the second half last season this year, then the the D-backs will have at least two young Offensive studs in your lineup that you could seriously build a team around, a foundation. Because I just don't think the D backs have enough position players I could consider a foundation. Dalton Varsho, if he continues that second half breakout, he will be number two on the list of guys. I'm like, you have to keep Dalton Varsho. He moves to that untradable list, like I have Keto Marte. Dalton Varsho will be right there in ink. You cannot trade this man. So Dalton Varsho. I want to see what we can do. He's basically been mythified by D-backs fans because of what he was able to do in the minor. So I don't want to be the guy that's always getting on his soapbox, preaching about how minor league prospects are overrated. I'm hoping Dalton Varsho proves me wrong in 2022. And then the last guy I want to talk about as a swing player for the D-backs is Josh Rojas. Because Rojas could be a huge swing piece because, like I said before, he probably will be the full-time third baseman. And He's the only piece from that Zach Greinke trade who I can't call a bust yet. Like, I think Seth Beard's gonna make an impact on the team this year. I still want to see what Corbin Mar and J.B. briskakis can do. Corbin Mar might start the season in the bullpen, but right now, the only guy who's gotten real major league at bats and real major league playing time is Josh Rojas. He's keeping the trade alive right now, and Josh Rojas is a very nice player, a very fine player. I'm pro Josh Rojas. I think he's got a little bit of talent, but statistically, eh, it's not like he's that much different than Pavin Smith. Like, if you looked at their baseball references side by side and just looked at traditional stats, you'd be like, yeah, yeah, they're kind of similar. And I, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but because of Josh Rojas's more stable defense and position versatility and athleticism, I do think he's a better player than Pavin Smith, at least from the eye test, but the numbers are the numbers. So for Josh Rojas this season... I need him to prove that he's a building block going forward. Like Dalton Varsho, I need more position players that I can consider a foundation of this team going forward. I need Joshua Rojas not to just prove he's a nice little player, but a legit everyday major leaguer, an above average major leaguer. I'm not saying he has to be an all-star, but there are guys who bat 6th, 7th in your lineup where you're like, whoa, that guy's still pretty good. Don't count him out like a Alex Verdugo or something on the Red Sox. Like, Verdugo is no all-star, but no one is discounting Verdugo when he walks up to the plate or Kike Hernandez. So if Joshua Oz can get to a Verdugo-Kike level of talent and production, I would be pretty happy with that considering he was the fourth guy thrown into the Zach Greinke trade. I would consider that a steal. Now, that's it for this edition of the Locked on Dimebacks podcast. Shout out to everyone who tuned in to today's pod. It's Friday, so go back and catch up on any pods you might have missed this week. Monday's with Millard, with Sully Baseball. We had Ben Kaspic of Lockdown Giants, I think, on a pod this week. Maybe it was last week. We definitely had Paul Holden of Lockdown Rockies on a pod this week, so go check out that. I think I had Ben on a pod last week. But either way, thank you for making Lockdown Dynamax your first listen every day. Go make your second listen of the day, Lockdown MLB, with my pal, and hopefully your pal too, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, come back next week for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. And as always, stay safe and stay healthy. Deuces! Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.